This is Jim Salakrep, and you're listening to Superior Spider Talk. Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of GrindMyReels.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the 27th episode of Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a little bit of a bigger picture. Yes, Dan, and for episode 27, which uh, looks to be our last podcast for 2013. Uh, so, you know, happy holidays and happy new year to everybody. Uh, we're going to be discussing Superior Spider-Man number 24, answering some fan mail, and then discussing our brief thoughts on those 5.1 issues, uh, those amazing Spider-Man 700.1 through 700.5. As always, if you guys want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. And also, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. One last thing, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to get us a holiday gift, the best thing that you can do is give us a review on iTunes. The show is free, after all, and all we ask from you is that you leave us a review so that we can help spread the word about our show. Well, you could buy us comics, too. Well, yes, you could do that, too, but I think this is a little bit easier. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, so why don't we uh, mosey on into our conversation about Superior Spider-Man number 24. Sounds like a lot of fun to me. Dan, so, um, you know, I had some issues with Superior Spider-Man 23, but I, 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 for whatever reason, I thought 24 was uh, much more tightly um, plotted and paced than the last issue. Uh, maybe it was just a subtraction of one or two of the little subplots. Like, we didn't have um, any Jameson uh, and his Spider-Slayer plot in this, nor was there as much focus on Parker Industries. There was a little bit in the beginning. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just felt like everything kind of transitioned a little more smoothly for me, uh, which made this a better issue overall for me. What about you? Yeah, I like this issue a little bit better, but I don't really see that much of a difference from the last one. I do think that the, like, slightly less number of storylines here makes it a bit, um, you know, easier to read. 
Although I don't know that I like love all of the content in it. Um, I think the second half of this issue is really stellar, and the first half of it is just kind of okay. Yeah, I mean, the first half they're definitely kind of setting settling in, and and it's it's a little clunky. Um, some of the stuff with like cardiac and Flash at the beginning, and you know, of course, having you know, Flash has what hours to live, which you know, I, I joked about on chasing that you know, I hope nobody tells Rocket, Raccoon, and Groot what's going on because you know, I, I it's Marvel kind of spoiled itself again on that in terms of what's going to be happening with its characters uh, in terms of Flash being in Guardians of the Galaxy next year. Yeah, um, but still, I mean, I, I, I guess what what worked for me from um, a, a, a narrative drama standpoint was I really appreciated the unpredictability of Otto within the symbiote. I mean, you know, we we had gotten that reader question a few that we talk, talked about a few episodes ago about, you know, what would Doc Ock do if he became possessed by the symbiote? And, you know, I think we both were in agreement that he would kind of go with it. But I guess to the extreme that he does in this issue was was kind of, I don't want to say shocking, but I was impressed that that um, Dan Slott and Christos Gage, the, the two writers on this, didn't kind of take any shortcuts. I mean, they they just kind of went for the full Monty. That you know, he's he's a he's an evil bastard in this in this issue, and and you know, I felt that that really raised the tension and the drama of of what was happening. Yeah, he kind of goes full Doc Ock here. Like he, the Peter personality gets very pushed to the side, um, and I thought it was really wonderful. Although I I wish there was something more dramatic going on. With the symbiote than him, like, stopping petty crimes, like, you know, a guy who's speeding and a person who's texting while driving. I mean, I, I could think of several more interesting things to do with the symbiote than, than just stopping little petty crimes like that. Yeah, well, he almost killed Cardiac, and I think, you know, more stuff is about to get set up in Superior 25 once the Avengers get called in, which, uh, can I say, hallelujah, somebody finally called the Avengers, as I've been saying for months now. Yeah, can we get back to talking about Cardiac? There's something I was a little confused by in this issue, and and I think it speaks to the setup of Parker Industries and how quickly that was handled. Mm. Um, I'm a little, like, unsure of what the relationship is with Cardiac in this, in this, uh, you know, Dr. Wortham in this, Organization? Do people know that he's cardiac? I mean, the second that you know stuff starts happening, he starts blasting his beta rays out of his body, and then Sajani is like healing him up without any questions, and she refers to his his like uh, mesh suit. Do people just know that he's cardiac now? Like, when did this become public knowledge? That's a great question. I don't know. I mean, you're right. There's definitely there's definitely something missing from the narrative here. Um, I guess it didn't bother me so much because. You know, I, I, I'm not counting on Cardiac playing a large role in the resolution of this whole superior arc. So yeah. for me, it was kind of like it was kind of um, immaterial. But I get what you're saying. I mean, I like, know, it, I know. But we like nitpick on Aunt May acting out of character. To me, this is, you know, the first reappearance. The first thing we establish about this character is that he's operating underground and doesn't want anybody to know that he's got this dual, you know, faceted nature. And now all of a sudden he's just like brazenly. Showing off and and uh, who he is, yeah. Are you are you putting Cardiac on the level of Aunt May in terms of importance to the Spider-Man universe, Dan? No, no, no. But uh, <laughs> I mean, yes, definitely, yes, De- definitely. More yeah, Cardiac yeah, yeah. with great power comes Cardiac. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. No, I got. I know you're right. You're right. I mean, if we're gonna, if we're going to nitpick one thing, we probably should be equal equal opportunity nitpickers. Um, 
So I, you know, I, I completely cede your point on that one. Um, that being said, it's not enough to take me out of the story. I, I, it's just something I wanted to point out. Like I, I felt like I still am a little murky. It speaks to a larger thing that I'm a little murky about how Parker Industries is being operated and and exactly what it is. Although I, I feel like it's going to be very short lived. So um, yeah, yeah. I mean, from the get go, I mean, it just kind of seems to be. It, it was it was a plot development used to further the decline of the character, in my opinion. I mean, you know, like like he needed he needed to have this so when everything really bottoms out, it really bottoms out. Sure. Uh, um, we also got an appearance from the Goblin in this, and I think it's actually a little more um, interesting than we've received in the past. What did you think about the Goblin in this issue? Yeah, I mean, like he's finally doing something. I mean, <laughs> and and and. and and, you know, he, he he's doing something in a couple of different scenes, which, you know, kind of leads to another point we'll get to in a second about who might be the goblin and, and some theories that we're getting out there. But, um, you know, let's first talk about the scene with um, the hobgoblins uh, goons, which was including uh, it was not the grizzly. It was a new grizzly called the Bruin, which, you know, I don't know if I should be disappointed or even more impressed that, you know, there's someone else out there in a bear suit. Uh, for the force of evil. Um, I like but, the idea that someone is paying a lot of money to wear a bear suit. Yeah, well, you know, Roderick Kingsley's got to make money. Um, but yeah, I mean, like this, the, the, you know, rather than just kind of sitting in his lair and laughing maniacally and plotting against Spider-Man, you know, uh, the Green Goblin's out there. He's 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 addressing other issues of, of concern of his, including this this war with Roderick Kingsley that sounds like it's about to go down in another issue or so. Um, like I said, I was just happy to see him do something else besides you know just kind of you know twirl his mustache so to speak and and be evil. I mean, what what are we or what are we saying? His plan is that he's collecting the money from these things in order to like incite rancor within the hobgoblins ranks or to maybe bankrupt him is that is that the idea i mean i think he's just trying to goad him into a fight yeah I mean, that, that makes sense i mean i think that's he's just trying to draw him out because i mean kingsley has kind of you know been behind the scenes now for a while so you know he's he's he, he you know it's not like he can just go out there and, and challenge him to a to a duel so it's like you know let's screw with his operation and and you know hit him where it hurts in the bank account and and goad him to come out so he can you know kill him to uh convert him or whatever the hell he's ultimately going to do with him yeah well he makes another really interesting turn here uh with carly cooper what did you think about this decision yeah i mean you know throwing the the, the goblin serum at her and and i actually had a a a continuity plot question dan maybe you can address this i mean is 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 just getting the serum splashed on you enough to actually turn you into a goblin i i think it's been proven to have worked in the i mean i guess in the past it's exploded on people right um and i forget how menace turned but but i i think it had to do with that that she was fumbling around and and managed to get it spilled on her so i i, I think that's within continuity um we haven't seen her turn yet Necessarily, like right, whether she'll right. become, but there are those future solicits that say there will be another goblin joining the team. Yeah, and I imagine that that's Carly Cooper's whatever goblin we're going to call her. Yeah, well, so I mean, you know, again, leading to who's the goblin? Um, goblin you know, cop. Yeah, goblin cop. But I mean, in terms of who is the the green goblin? I mean, you know, not many people have access to that serum, if my memory is correct, right? 
Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's kind of like an Os- an Osborne family secret. It's kind of like the Colonel and his and his in his secret recipe for chicken, right? <laughs> it's, it's kind of a silly analogy, but okay. I'll give you that. Okay, I mean, you know, it's 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 the herbs and spices of madness, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, okay, so do, do we want to get into this internet theory, Dan? Is this yeah, is this our segue? Okay, okay. So, I mean, we we have we have received comments both um, through the podcast and then through Chasing Amazing and and through Twitter. I, I've I've heard this in a lot of places. Is there's this theory that's kind of I don't want to say gathering steam, but is out there that um, you know, because all evidence seems to point to the Green Goblin being an Osborne, and why would Dan Slott go through all this trouble of not just saying it's Osborne from the get-go unless there was somebody new? Um, so there are people out there who think that the Green Goblin might be Peter Parker um, or Peter Parker's mind in Norman Osborne's body, some variation. Dan, you even kind of joked about this in one of our very first podcasts, right? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a joke. It was something that I legitimately thought would be a cool storytelling, you know, uh, thing. So when people send this theory to us, I get it. Like, I get why this would be an interesting thing to to see happen. Because I, at one point, I thought, yeah, that could be kind of cool. But nothing in the story to me now bears any fruit on 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 that being a real thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've long since divorced myself from that notion. And I feel like that that there's just too many things that have happened. Um, with the Goblin character and within the larger story that just disqualify it. And I feel like if you're going to sit there and say, yeah, but this or yeah, but that, you're you're just kind of making excuses. Like, I mean, like, you know, one of the things, you know, we talk about is um, in Superior 10 when, um, you know, the Goblin surrogates, the, the, the little vulture children, um, firebomb Mary Jane's nightclub. And, you know, I've heard that explained away by people who defend this theory two ways. One is... Uh, well, it's not the goblin himself doing the action, so you know it, it's not like he's trying to hurt his his one of his dear close friends, right? Right. And then the other one is, oh, well, he's trying to test Doc Ock to see if he'll defend um, Mary Jane against these people. But like, I don't know, man. That just seems like a really big leap um, to you know have Peter, you know, no more, no one dies, Peter, try, you know inadvertently maybe kill somebody yeah Um, let me just test out this theory i have by using my loved ones in particular as bait like it doesn't make any sense to me uh right you know at 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 best it's a terrible character miscalculation um on the writer's part about peter parker right but then there's some other things i mean you know that we, we we have um you know the fact that uh i mean there he the goblin right now is is with Carly Cooper, you know. Before we even had the whole serum situation, I mean, like you gotta you gotta believe that there's some torture going on, right? I mean, like like Carly Carly doesn't look comfortable sitting there, you know. Like the, the, this 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 has not been a pleasant experience for her to be their capture captive, right? So I mean, <laughs> it's like the Spanish Inquisition from Monty Python. Yeah, give them the comfy chair, <laughs> cake or death. Um, <laughs> It's 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 a little it's it's a stretch and 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 you know I've heard two things kind of in re- relation to the most recent development with the serum. One is the you know it could be Peter because there's that issue. I, I think it's the last time we've seen Harry Osborn in the Danger Zone arc where he Peter gets, gets access key. to one. 
What's that? Are you going to say the goblin key? Yeah, that he gets into the, one of the lairs, right? Yeah. So he would have access, hypothetically, to goblin serum, which makes sense. But why is he using it on a friend yeah. <laughs> his ex-girlfriend like like why is he torturing her and, but, but, and and then and then there's the why won't he why wouldn't he remember that who is under the mask of spider-man if it's peter's mind and then someone said well maybe peter doesn't have all his memories within norman's brain but that makes no sense because within the universe that dan Slott has established with this mind swap uh de- device Otto has his memories. Like he's not missing his own memories, right? If he doesn't remember, then what's the point of doing all this in the first place? Like, it's just making like excuses to justify a theory, which you know is a cool idea. Like, I'll get I'll give them that. It's a cool idea to see this, but I don't I don't think that there's been a shred of evidence pointing towards this. I mean, what kind of evidence have they presented to you, Mark? Any that you find credible? Like I said, it's it's it, it it it's only it only becomes somewhat credible when someone really works hard at trying to explain away the the implausibilities of it. Like like someone saying, "Oh, well, Peter could have access to the serum because of issue six ninety five and I'm, or whatever six ninety seven. I think that was that issue." And I was kind of like, "Yeah, I, I guess that that could be," but. It, there's too much evidence that goes against it. And like I said, you know, in terms of it being so, a, so does Max Modell. Right, right. But in terms of it being cool or not, I, I, I agree that it could have been cool if things were developed differently with these characters. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to go on the record, Dan. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess you always got to wait and see how things play out. But if this is what the reveal is and it's Peter Parker, like to me, that's going to be a massive betrayal of this character, like even beyond what I felt one one more day was in terms of making deals with the devil. I, I, like, I agree. I agree completely. Like that, that, I mean, you know, we, we joked last episode about, oh, you know, what, what would drive, I mean, we're the hardcore fans, what would drive us away? And, and, and you know, I'm not going to say, oh, I'll never buy Spider-Man again, but like, that is, that's like, who, then who is this character? Then, then, then we're going to be returning a Spider, you know, Peter Parker to a Spider-Man series. And it's a Peter Parker that either um, willingly and knowingly acted evil as, as a force of evil or or unknowingly or out of his control, but still evil. So it's like you know, <laughs> why, why why do I care about any of these characters anymore? You know, like like then then who's a hero? You know, like what's what's you know what, then 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 this isn't a superhero comic anymore, and then I should just go read Wolverine. You right, know? and like, not not to mention that we already saw Peter starting to come back anyway in issue nineteen. Like this goes thematically against the whole idea of Superior Spider-Man, which is proving who you know is the better Spider-Man, not who is the better Green Goblin. Like it's about right. it's about methodology and and an understanding with great power must also come great responsibility. Like and how two different people interpret that. Like. I don't see what it's gained thematically by Peter Parker being the Green Goblin. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying from the get-go that that this whole superior status quo feels and and comes across as like a referendum on what it means to be Spider-Man. You know, it, it, whether you're amazing or superior or whatever, and and you know, kind of going on that. I mean, my 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 theory has long been. I mean, I don't know if we want to totally start speculating on the end game but like like to me the most appropriate and poetic way to resolve this is if somehow 
Doc Ock willingly cedes possession of Peter's body back to him. You know, like I feel like that's kind of where this is going. You know, like it, it just it, it, it would it would re- it would finally give Doc Ock that redemption that we've been talking about from the get go. Because it, it's a, it's a moment that makes everybody look good in the end to me. Um, I think that's it, the most interesting story to tell. It's it's you know how we get there is still anybody's guess, but I mean and and there's even a scene in the most recent Superior Spider-Man team up. Yeah, I was just like, going to bring that up. Where like you know like he trails off like he's 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 ready to go to the Avengers and turn himself in and be like well maybe Hank Pym or Tony Stark can dot 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 and then oh there's Namor and he's acting like Namor so let's have a douche off between Namor and Otto, um, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I just um, – that that to me is where this is going. That to me would be the most eloquent and most interesting story. And I think putting Peter in the goblin's body is just total shock and awe. And, and, and you know, there's a difference. I said to somebody, there's a difference between killing Peter and the shock of that and then outright making Peter a bad guy. And I – you know, and like – I still believe that Dan Slott is a really huge Spider-Man fan, and I don't see him doing that to the character. To me, that's a betrayal of the character. What's happened in Superior is not a betrayal of the character, despite what some fans say. It's not. And I I agree. And I I think it's especially interesting given Superior Spider-Man team-up number eight because that's Chris Yost's final issue. Mm -hmm. And I got to think that he knows somewhat of what the end game is going to be like. Or at least the path that this is headed on, and right. for him to choose to write an issue about this particular topic—the the giving up, the realizing that he's not as superior as he once thought—like belies that that thought is in his head somewhere. And um, and I think that's kind of an interesting uh, you know, decision for him to make to tell this particular story. So I thought that was interesting. It read like an end of a arc. You know, and, and if you know, we're gonna get these kind of flashback issues and team up issues with Superior Spider Man team up coming up. I mean, heaven forbid we get a team up in Superior Spider Man team up. Right. But uh <laughs> uh we're gonna get these issues that seem kind of like less focused on superior Spider Man particularly. Like right. if this is the end of the team up thing, maybe it also hints towards the end of the actual book as well. Right, right. Agreed. All right, why don't we why don't we jump back though into Superior 24 if you don't mind? Absolutely. Okay, so putting aside Green Goblin, we we got some good stuff in this issue towards the end. Again, it seems like the turning not the turning point, but the real point where this issue kicked into full gear was like right after he goes to see Anna Maria, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is where the issue really stepped up for me. And to me, like the Aunt May and Mary Jane confrontations at the end were just awesome like just great dramatic storytelling like edge of the seat stuff right yeah what i liked about it too is um how it kind of uh twists uh the perspective you know every when this is a moment where he could be exposed for not really being peter parker and then the venom suit shows up and provides the perfect scapegoat for why he's acting this way outside of him being Otto octavius you know Right. And uh, and so even if Mary Jane catches on, she's not really going to catch on because she's going to think, oh, it's clearly the, the Venom symbiote that's influencing him in this way, a la um, the amazing uh, Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s 
and uh, in, in Spider-Man Three, the movie, the Venom Venom symbiote is actually affecting his his personality, uh, which yeah. is, I, I like. I actually like that interpretation of the Venom symbiote. Well, yeah, I mean, and you can make a case too that the symbiote like has affected Flash's personality. You know, like I mean, you know, based on his actions in the Venom series. You know what I mean? Like it's it's you know about control and you know, are you giving into the symbiote's wills or 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 your own? You know, ability to try and do good. Um, yeah, but my, my main point being that that's an addition from the '90s, I think. Yes. No, uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm just saying, like, it's 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 at least established in other places. It's right. not like you know, it's not like they tabled this idea and, and you know from 20 years ago, and they're just now rehashing it. You know, like it's it's been consistent with, yeah, for, like you said, since the '90s. Uh, I know that you love this, and I love this too. The, the the giant reveal to Mary Jane, where he just is just shifting into his Venom costume. Oh, that was great, man! And and, and like to me, this is like Ramos at his best um, visually. I mean, it's a, it's a terrifying image to me, and I love like MJ cowering. It kind of it it brought me back to that the opening splash page on ASM three hundred, which is you know MJ kind of cowering in in the corner as the Venom as Venom shadow comes up around her, and it's. It's it's a terrifying image. It's great. I mean, this is this is what you like. Like, there's just such a sense of like everything just running out of control right now. It's 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 it's, and that's that's what I want out of this comic right now. You know? Yeah, I I really loved uh, Peter's interactions with uh, Aunt May and uh, Jameson Senior. The way Ramos drew his like unhinged face is yep. really creepy, and and made that scene feel really dangerous as he's almost attacking Aunt May. Um, and you realize, like, this is definitely not the guy. Like, you know, when when Ock is not getting his way, forget his care for even Mer- Aunt May. He's going to do whatever it takes in order to, like, you know. And I think we'll see what Anna Maria causes him to do. But uh, I'm a little scared, um, like, about how uh, infatuated he is with this character of Anna Maria. Yeah, yeah. It's It's, you know, it's funny. We were... Maybe setting up a, a, you know, like a true love kind of thing, and maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's going to be something much more dark and twisted than that. You know what I mean? Like you said, more infatuation, desperation. These are not good things to have in a romantic relationship, right? Yeah, you keep talking about maybe you know her having her Gwen Stacy moment, um, and like I'm trying to think about how that would play out. Like you know, the Goblin and is in the warehouse fighting with Spider Man. Like he wouldn't need to impale himself on his own glider to die. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure Doctor Octopus would tear him limb from limb. I, I I just meant Gwen Stacy moment, like from Spider Man Three, the movie where she just kind of smacks him in the face and moves on. <laughs> Don't you dare reference that movie. It, just, it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. As far hey, as you just did before. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what um, I meant, what I meant is Doc Ock's gonna start disco dancing. Yeah, uh, I don't want to see that. I mean, <laughs> unless it's making fun of that. I want to do. I do want to talk about um, the characterization of Mary Jane here. Yes. I thought it was kind of refreshing to see like her finally being portrayed right. And you know, last episode I talked about, you know, maybe Mary Jane will use this information and you were like, I don't really know with the way that she's been characterized, but I think here they're finally getting it. They're finally yeah. getting how Mary Jane should be acting. 
yeah, she's a strong character and she's finally acting strong again and, 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 and assertive, you know, I mean, even, even in the scene that she's cowering in fear, I mean, like there's reason for her to, it's not because she's a woman. It's because like this horrific, you know, the person that she knows is possessed by this horrific monster that she knows about, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it all makes sense. And, and I, I loved her characterization here. I thought, it, I thought it was perfect. This is the best MJ we've had probably since Spider Island. She even speaks for us, the listener, where a reader, where she she calls Carly and she's like, "Look, I need more clarification. What yes. were you thinking, telling me that without more information?" Yes, yes. Proving that and she is the ultimate spider girlfriend. Yes. Now, now, you know, what do we think about the fact that the Avengers don't remember her phone number? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, what is and isn't canon post one more day, but it was funny that she still managed to have that phone number. Unless there's an Avengers hotline, like right, 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 you know. But no, it was it was it, like I said. I, I I thought the ending of of this comic was great. I'm back in the saddle. I mean, I never left the saddle, but you know, I, I said last issue. I mean, I was frustrated by the character moments, but I still wanted to see where this was all going. This 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 whole thing is just screaming Endgame to me. You know, like like I mean, I almost wonder if there's going to be some jig being up next issue that's going to set up goblin nation you know like it's I, I feel like it's it's accelerated that far like i mean we talked about you know is the are the avengers going to be called in and it's going to explain away why peter is acting strange because it's the symbiote and that's valid and probably the likely thing but i wonder if there's going to be even a bigger reveal than that yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm interested in where this story is going um there's a couple clunky things here and there. Like, I really didn't like the offhanded way that it was announced to Flash that he needs the symbiote to survive. I mean, like, that is such a tired story trope. And, like, to me, it just felt like a cheap way to increase the stakes here in this story, which I didn't think really needed to be, you know, increased that much. Like, yeah, okay, great. Now Flash needs to get it back. But, like, I was all for him getting it back in the first place to the way Peter's acting, you know? Right. And, 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 you know, kind of as I was joking about earlier, I mean, like, you know, Marvel doesn't do itself any favors in the way it like announces its news, because I mean, you know, the, the, that the resolution of that plot line has been spoiled, essentially. I mean, unless there's someone else being portraying Agent Venom, that's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy in a few months. I mean, you know, like, obviously, all is going to be restored. There's no I mean, like, I like, I couldn't even care less about Flash's story because I know it's going to get resolved, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I got to think that someone made a big, big, like, cross their wires there. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know? I mean, but that's all the the Wacker editorial department. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah, it's weird. And uh, I feel like Dan Slott tried to do his best to, like, mitigate it. He's just like, uh, yeah, uh, Flash has nowhere to go, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's someone else under that costume. You know, it could, you know, sorry, Dan, that, that, that your story was, you know, let out of the bag like that. But, I mean, he's doing his best to kind of keep right. you on the edge of your street. Seat. Well, you know, that's in that, and Dan is good like that. So, all right. So as far as our Dan is concerned, what is, what is your grade on this? Uh, Mark, I, I'm going to give this a B. I really enjoyed this story, and I know you're probably going to go a bit higher, but, higher than I am. But um, – I've like I like this issue, but I'm not really sure where this is going. Like what the end game is, and that can be a good thing, you know. Like I want to be surprised by where our characters get left. But what what I do think is still a little unclear is what it's saying about the hero, our main character of the story. Like you know, for for an A an A book, 
I, I you know I, I'd like to know what you know is going what our what it says about our characters. And here, it still feels like a lot of storylines coming together. That you know the first half of this, I was like, okay, it's kind of interesting. It go it is a plus in the second half of this book, but um, I thought the beginning dragged it down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I mean, to me, the ending was so spectacular or superior or amazing or whatever your adjective is. I, I'm, I'm, as you predicted, I'm going higher than you. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm giving this an A minus, which is, it's really only the the third issue this year that I've given higher than a B plus, and I, I liked, I liked it that much. I felt any, you know, the fat that they trimmed out out from the last issue just made this thing flow better for me. And even the even the little kind of clunky start to it, like you know, it felt so far in the rearview mirror by the time we got to that last scene that you know, and I'm I'm excited for a, a, a uh, it's not a double sized, it's a giant sized issue for the special anniversary 25th issue uh, in two weeks, right? <laughs> I'm really I'm really excited about that because that means we're gonna have a heck of a lot of story to tell. Yeah, but probably it's going to be a dollar more, so <laughs> wah 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 wah. wah. <laughs> uh, all right, so why don't we get into some Spider Man? Before we get to our email, I just want to remind everybody that you can, of course, reach us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com. If you email us there, we will read your mail on the air and answer any questions you may have or just kind of wax poetically about what beautiful sentiments you send us. Um, so let's take this first awesome email from Brian Jacob, who found us through Reddit, because, Dan, I know you are you love to post those things on Reddit and, and, and brave that community, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. You know, uh, reddit.com slash Spider-Man. There you go. Um, well, um, Brian Jacob was six when he started reading Spider-Man and now has a biracial son who is really into Miles Morales and Ultimate Spider-Man. So he wants to know, my question for you is simple. When are you guys going to get around to discussing Miles Morales and his incredible run of stories? He's a well-rounded and unique character that deserves a lot more attention than he gets. Although, given his present circumstances, I'm wondering if that might be happening soon. Anyway, your comment about Silver May, thanks, thanks to you, Dan, on that one, in episode, 20, <laughs> in episode 25 reminded me of a current development elsewhere in the Marvel Universe. Even though it's LinkedIn name only, I was wondering if you might have some time to chat briefly about the wonderful and insanely hilarious Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which is one of the most consistently funny titles that I've ever seen. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Brian Jacob. Well, to his first point, Dan, um, I mean, I will let you go butt nutty on Miles Morales. But, you know, I just want to say we, we don't talk about it on Spider Talk because I'm a bad person and don't read the series. So you can blame me on that. But 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 Dan, talk about how much you love Miles. I love Miles, and I was a little reluctant at first because Peter Parker in Ultimate Spider-Man is my favorite comic character of all time. My goodness. And uh, so seeing him die off and be replaced by Miles was a bit of a, you know, a heartbreak for me. But, you know, Brian Michael Bendis, I, 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 you know, I love his writing on this series. So, um, And he has been – Miles Morales is as good, if not at times better – than Peter Parker it was, and I'm really enjoying the way that his story has been told. It's a very, like, elongated tale of, you know, an origin story that's almost lasted, you know, every issue of the of the book. So I'm really enjoying it, um, 
and it looks like it's coming to an end, although there have been rumors about him coming into the 616 Amazing Universe. Um, so we'll see. I don't know that I want that um, particularly because I think what makes Miles interesting is his location and the people in his world that surround him and the continuing relationships from the previous Ultimate Spider-Man title. So we'll see what happens. Mark, uh, you know, I plan on pressuring him to read the Miles Morales series eventually. And I know that Mark and I, if the series gets wrapped up, which it seems like it might be doing, uh, although Bendis has hinted at doing a 200th issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, which my guess is that that will be the end of the Ultimate Universe altogether is the 200th issue of this book. If that comes to pass, Mark and I will be doing a, like, nice retrospective on Ultimate Spider-Man. So you can expect... To hear more of my gushing there and Mark's, I guess, you yeah, know, you're okay with it. Well, I, I read I, I through the the beauty that is the Marvel Marvel Unlimited app. I did read the entire Peter Parker uh, Ultimate Run, and and for me, I felt like it's it's the front the front end of that series is really strong. Um, I, I love the origin stuff. Um, I. I mean, I'm not going to say that that Ultimate Peter Parker is my favorite character, but I mean, he, it's it's a wonderful character. There there are some issues in like the first fifty or so issues that are just, I think, shockingly good in terms of characterization and writing. Um, it, it actually really makes me um, come around on Brian Michael Bendis because you know I kind of know him more from the events um, that he gets, you know, like Age of Ultron and. AVX and all those that, quite frankly, I find to be really dull and 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 overindulgent in terms of, you know, this matters and this is the end all be all event of all. Um, and and you know, I I I actually read the Death of Spider Man stuff that he did kind of out of order um, a couple years ago and found that I really liked it. Um, it's just you know, with Miles, it's you know. Those issues are waiting for me on Marvel Unlimited. I'll probably check them out and that, and you know, hopefully in time for our our retrospective episode. But um, no, I mean, I have I have kind things to say, and you know, like I mean, I always come back to that issue where Peter tells Mary Jane his secret, and like that's just quite frankly one of my favorite single issues of Spider Man. Period. Like I just the, the the way that story is framed and written and illustrated by Mark Bagley just blows me away. Yeah, that um, might be my favorite issue of the whole series. Yeah, um, I mean, but again, like I said, the first few arcs I think are wonderful. The Venom stuff, the way he he changes the, the identity of Venom and the story there is like I think just amazingly tragic. So there's 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 plenty of good things to say about Ultimate. For yeah, me. and I and I Brian, it's really nice to to see that you have a, a son, you know, a biracial son who can have a hero to to call his own uh, in Miles Morales and. You know, I would love to see the ongoing tales of Miles Morales continue. Um, although my con- my constant feeling about Ultimate Spider-Man is that it's been a series beleaguered by editorial changes, um, and it looks like Miles might be suffering the same fate. But um, I hope for the best for Miles because I think he's a great character and a great representative of the Marvel line. Uh, you know, for people who. Uh, may, might not have a hero of their own, you know, in in, in the Marvel universe. So, uh, I I I love the character, and I I would be more than happy to talk about it uh, some more in the future. So look forward to that, Brian, and all you other listeners who like the Ultimate series, because we will be discussing it um, 
But to cover it as much as we cover the amazing Spider-Man universe, um, you know, that would take a whole extra podcast, which yeah. don't don't hold your breath because right. this is already exhausting enough. And, and in terms of his, his question about superior foes, I mean, we, we I think we touch it, we touch on it every once in a while. I mean, I think Dan and I are in agreement. It's a great series. It's hilariously funny. It's it's you know, but um, yeah, I mean, like we, I mean, I think I think we kind of answered that question and with the ultimate question. I mean, you know, we 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 love that you love listening to us talk talk all the time, but you know, Dan and I have <laughs> limited schedules, and you know, to do all these other connected series and ultimate universes and alternate timelines and all that it would it would probably require another two or three podcasts um, a month from us, right? Yeah, and, and and but just to add on to that, like Superior Foes is often the top of my like pull pile for reading because you're right, it is one of the funniest books I've I've ever read. Like, period. It it makes me laugh out loud in a way that's probably unnatural. Yes, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I think I think I you know it's like, hey, this guy, you laugh at my comic. That's what Boomerang would say to you. The, the real question is who who I, I saw something on CBR recently there about the Sinister Six movie and they were like oh well what if they incorporated uh, the Superior Foes Sinister Six who would play Boomerang um, I my suggestion was Vince Vaughn what do you think I think that's kind of a great idea actually yeah you know like have have you know John Favreau direct it and <laughs> and have Vince Vaughn do do Fred Myers but the other suggestion was Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny that's a good one too but yeah that would be good but i think Vince Vaughn is just like that kind of like bold enough that like i could see him fantasizing about being this like larger than life character i think that could be really funny yeah so there you go um but we got another letter here right Dan yeah, we got a comment on our Podomatic page, and, and which is great. We really appreciate it. But if you guys can comment on the iTunes, that really helps us out a lot more. But either way, love hearing from you guys. And we got this one that says, hey, guys, another awesome episode. I've been enjoying your podcast since the beginning of Superior Spider-Man. It's great to indulge my inner geek, and I always look forward to hearing your thoughts after I finish each issue. I particularly wanted to say how nice it was to hear you guys mention the Bechdel test in this episode, or that you meant the last episode. I'm a supporter of feminism, and I think it's always really useful to have guys talk about this in a positive light, even more so in dealing with spaces that are generally male-dominated like comics. Thanks, guys, and keep it up. Cheers, Dick and Knowles. Um, and I, I wanted to bring this up because I did mention the Bechdel test, and it's something that uh, you know Mark and I have actually discussed a little bit about um, you know, the male audience of the comic and how it handles its female characters. And, um, you know, I, I, I really ascribe to these kind of feminist beliefs and really want to make sure that I talk about uh, these topics in the right way. Um, and in, it's enough that, like, if, if we haven't heard from any women that listen to our show, um, and I would, if you are out there, I would love, I would love to hear from you, um, you know, uh, just j- to know that that, that audience is, is there. Um, and, and to hear your feedback on the show, if, if you feel like you're being served, um, but but I I do I do have a problem a lot with this kind of uh, uh, of the fan space of of comic books because it often to me comes across as very misogynistic, um, and it's something that I'm always concerned about, and, and I want to make a, you know be co- a corrective voice in that community. So I appreciate the the comment, Dick and Knowles, and. Um, that's something that really uh, matters to you. Uh, you know, even if there are no women listening to the show, I do think it is an important thing that men talk uh, about uh, the way that they talk about women and, and handle these women's issues. 
Yeah, that's you said it beautifully, Dan. I mean, you know, it's it's you know, my 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 wife reads some comics, um, not actually superhero comics. She reads more like Neil Gaiman stuff and everything. But you know, it's it's you know, like I don't know when I whenever when I write something or when we talk about something, you know, I just want to make sure it's something that I wouldn't want to be embarrassed for my wife or my mother to hear me say. And, you know, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of what, what I can add to that conversation, I guess. Great. Well, that's um, all of the, uh, the mail and comments that we got, uh, from you guys this week. Please make sure to send them in and, and go to iTunes and leave us another comment. Excellent. All right. So why don't we, why don't we kick back off with our reviews of the point one issues, Dan? Great. So let's start with um, kind of, I guess, what I feel were almost like the main thrust of these point one issues. I mean, you know, they were promoted by uh, Tom, one of the Marvel editors, Tom Brennan at New York Comic Con. It's the best Peter Parker stories we'll ever read, um, which <laughs> says something. Um, but Amazing Spider-Man 700.1 and 700.2, a.k.a. that's the Spider-Man Frost story by uh, David Morrell and Klaus Janssen. Now, obviously, uh, David was a guest here on Superior Spider Talk before this came out. So um, we did get a little bit of an advance uh, peek at it. But um, I also feel that this was far and away the best of the point one issues. Um, I felt that this was just very, very elegantly and beautifully written in terms of the actual text and dialogue and prose. Like, um, you could tell that an actual novelist wrote this. There was just kind of that, you know, that kind of organic beauty to how the words are put together that sometimes is lacking in the more bombastic comic book writing universe um it's a much more quieter story about peter and aunt may and you know it's not so much about it you know if peter is struggling with being spider-man but i didn't feel it was like another spider-man no more story it is it was much more kind of introspective and 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 pensive than that and you know like I know these issues were kind of trumpeted as like a triumphant return of Peter Parker by Marvel. And that just says something about how they choose to market their comics. Um, but I was very happy to have a Peter Parker story like this to read about for the first Peter Parker story I've read about in a while. I mean, not counting what's going on in Marvel Knights, which I don't even know if you classify that as a Spider-Man story. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, but, but but what did you think about what David put together here? Yeah, you know, uh, we we I think a lot of my thoughts about it are actually really informed by the conversation that we had with him. Um, you know, the story is really eloquently told and and quite beautiful, especially in in the first half. I think he gave us a sneak preview of the of the scene where Aunt May and Peter are talking about the frost and the rose garden with Uncle Ben. And I think that's the best scene in the whole uh, in the whole story, um, and one that he was obviously quite proud of, and and I think rightfully so. Um, yeah, 
But at the same time, it kind of, uh, to me, shows the danger of um, of hiring someone on who doesn't really know the character particularly um, well or hasn't read all of the issues. Um, you know, the pacing of the story and the anime dialogue, like I said, are enough to elevate it to a story like worth checking out and definitely worth pur- purchasing. But um, and I know that Morel was very precious about his work, his reputation. And, and, and this particular comic that he created, and we'll talk about the problems that uh, came to light. Um, but in the second part of the story, it didn't do much for me because I feel like I've seen this story before. Um, and I think if reading, I was reading this in a vacuum, I would be really moved by it. But I feel like I, it's a bit of a retread. But, I mean, that being said, it's a refreshing breath of air um, that gets a lot of the character elements correct. Maybe not the spider sense so much. Um, but yeah, worth the price alone for the May Peter conversations uh, discussing the frost. That 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 made it for me. Yeah, no, I I, I mean I know exactly what you're saying in terms of uh, David Morrell's familiarity um, with canon and whatnot. I mean he 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 all but admitted to us that you know he, he you know the origin he probably you know he knows more from Hollywood than from comics. Um, I guess for me. You know, and not to make excuses for it, but um, I feel like Marvel really did a disservice to this story, releasing it the way they did in the format they did. This is this is really this should have been like an original graphic novel or something of that nature. You know what I mean? Like or like a one shot or I don't know, like it like kind of not really and not in a part of Amazing Spider-Man, just like its own thing, you know, because that's what it is. It's its own thing. It's someone else's interpretation on the spider-man origin and and relationship with his family you know like it it doesn't fit into continuity anywhere and that's not a bad thing um you know it's just but you know it's it's you know almost it almost felt more like a screenplay than than a comic right i mean it just in terms of you know the relationships or of with everyone are the traditional relationships. I mean Jonah is back at the bugle, and I mean outside of Jonah, there's really no other characters that are in it. Um, so I just feel like releasing it the way they did kind of takes away from from it. And I think if you look at it strictly from a from how is the story written and 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 how how the images go with the story. Which I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that what you know, Klaus Johnson was, uh, you know, work was brilliant on this, but like I felt it really went with the mood of what Morel's script did had. You know what I mean? So that's. I, I guess that's why this resonated a little more with me because I just kind of like I put aside how it was released and just kind of looked at it as a story independent of anything else. Yeah, and I don't want to say I didn't enjoy this. I, I, I really did. Jansen's art has never been a favorite of mine. Um, he's always felt like kind of like a less assured Romita Jr. Like, And maybe that comes from his work with Romita Jr. for such a long period of time. Um, and I think in the second part of the story, the work seems a little more rushed than the, mm. the first part of the story, which could be because he was you know, working on the first part a while and then kind of pumped out the second part of it like Morel seemed to have – uh, implied, um, but I do like. I agree with you. I think it matches the writing quite well. He d- doesn't have the kinetic, like energy of something like Ramita or not Ramita, um, like 
Humberto Ramos's work does, like even in its just layouts and stuff. But I think that works for the kind of bitter cold of the story. Yeah. And obviously you referred to it a little earlier. I mean, you know, the this the second part famously had some some editing issues. Um, my understanding, you know, Dave, David initially put something on Facebook and I, I think David himself kind of backtracked it off it a little bit, um, you know, that the quote unquote terrible version of his story was published. Um, it, it sounds like it was a case of and, you know, you still, I guess, can shake your head about how this happens in, in this day and age that the wrong version of the story got sent to the printer the wrong file. <laughs> so there were some typos in there. And then there were some things that were put in that David asked to be removed that weren't including like a joke about Captain, you know, there was like that, that token Spider-Man joke, um, you know, Oh, I bet, you know, X, Y, Z hero here doesn't have days like these that they kind of slid in there, which, I mean, it was a bit of a clash with the tone of the story, but I, I, I didn't find it offensive. Um, yeah, no, it's a classic Spider-Man joke, and and to be honest, you know the story I think needed maybe could could use a little levity. So like, yeah, I don't I mean wh- much levity, but that was I thought it was a fine moment to get like readers back into the gear of of the issue. I mean, what actually kind of struck me as funny is you know, and I don't think this was something that David had a complaint with, but to me, like the the scene, the snowball fight scene with all the villains, uh, which was kind of I guess like a dream sequence, that to me felt more out of you know away from the tone than the captain america joke yeah i agree and i you know i think either way it needs it needed to be developed more if they were going to do that like maybe a slow appearance of these characters or or set up a real world like analog for that um it just kind of came out of nowhere to me and um it's great if it's like a symbol or something like that but like the kind of like hallucinogenic like imagery like that was i think was trying to you know portray maybe not hallucinogen but like the kind of dream like stuff i don't think it really is supported by this kind of story right but then it did it it led directly to the climax which was you know peter with may and saving may and then may in turn being like now you you need to rest and then you know and uncle ben kind of showing up at the end thanking him and 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 that to me kind of got back to the emotional timber of of the first part of this story so it works for me it kind of brought it all back home yeah i i agree um so uh mark what did you think uh, overall in terms of a grade here i'll give this an a minus i mean i was almost thinking a after the first part but i mean you know like you said there were there were elements of the second half that didn't click as well so split the difference a minus yeah i'm giving this one a b plus i I think the first the first half would have gotten an A from me, but the second half didn't really like surprise me or or pay off in a way that uh, you know I think it was tonally correct you know correct you know and and it concluded the story in in the way that I expected it would conclude it. But I was kind of hoping like to be like I think the best endings to things are ones where you're like kind of surprised by the way that it ended, but also in the back of your mind you know that there's no other way that it could have ended otherwise. Um, and this one was like, okay, like I, it's a classic storytelling, you know, idea, the kind of hero of a thousand faces and all that stuff. And that was fine, but I was kind of hoping to get a little bit of X factor there. Um, and I, I think the, the snowball fight scene could have been that chance to go a little bit further into the X factor, but it just didn't really quite work for me. Yeah, that's totally fair, Dan. All right, so why don't we talk about 700.3 and 700.4, which was the two-part Black Lodge and some assorted B stories.
Okay, for me, I, I found Black Lodge. We'll, 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 we'll treat the B story separately if we can. Um, Black Lodge was totally acceptable comic book storytelling for me. Um, Joe Casey wrote it. Joe Casey is certainly been around the comic book industry for years. Um, it's not like he's a new up and comer or anything. Um, but like you know, reading reading his writing, I I, I was kind of like. I could see this guy writing Spider-Man, you know, like he, he, he felt, it felt like he belonged with the character. There was some humor. Uh, it was an interesting setup and premise. Um, and, and, and a very kind of like only Spider-Man, only the hero Spider-Man would find himself in a situation like this in terms of being in this underground secretive hospital for supervillains. And he's burnt beyond recognition during a fight with Firebrand, who, you know, certainly is not a, spider-man villain i think about but whatever um but and and you know he's both getting treated but then kind of has to find his way out in a way that doesn't you know you know tip his hand and reveal his identity to these people um it it just felt very natural a natural spider-man story to me i mean it wasn't great but it wasn't a, a top 10 story for me but like like if this if this story showed up in the middle of Brand New Day, which is kind of where I place it, because there's that scene with Shocker where he kind of talks about just fighting, you know, just having fought Spider-Man and in, in, uh, like in the subways. Uh, so I'm assuming it's that that two part Mark Wade story they're referring to. Uh, I would have been totally fine with it. What about you? Yeah, I, I really I thought this was a fine story, and it's funny that you mentioned that it came from. You feel like it came from Brand New Day because I I would I would put money. On that this was a brand new day story that just never made it to print and and it fits in right here. It was fine. I don't really see a reason for this needing to be a, a Spider-Man story, but I did appreciate the return of Peter Parker's humor in this story a lot. Um, and I thought the art was nice too, with some really wonderful coloring um, in it. So that that was fun to read to me. Um, I, I do I do call into question though the Spider-Man's healing abilities though. Yeah, he's not Wolverine, and this kind of I, I you know I I understand exactly what you're saying. Here's my justification of it, um, which might be me maybe giving too much service to the to a, a legitimate plot hole here. Um, you know, we do know that Spider-Man does have some some healing factor, and if you combine that with clearly the hospital staff that is very good at resurrecting villains. Um, maybe together that that would um, be enough to heal Spider-Man, despite the very terrible burns he experienced. I mean, I know he probably should have just been dead, but you know, suspension of disbelief and all that. <laughs> yeah, and I was able to suspend my disbelief for the same the same reason. But you know, at the same time, it's like he takes his mask off at the end, and it's like totally perfectly fine. And he's like, "Yeah, that surgeon was really good." Like, really? really? Like, are we to believe that Spider-Man has got plastic surgery all over his face or something? Right. I I don't know. Like, it's comic books. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, but, you know... What did you think of the What did you think of the Black Lodge itself? Like, the the premise of Black Lodge? I I liked it. Like, I'm shocked that that hasn't been done before. Yeah, yeah. I like this idea of this roaming hospital. I mean, I, I always thought everybody was going to the same night nurse or whatever. Um... That character is that they all go to, and we saw that. Um, what was the issue where Spider-Man started beating up um, another character when they were going to go see the Night Nurse? Oh, sh- like Paladin. He was beating up Paladin. I don't know <laughs> when that was, but at some point, Spider-Man was beating up Paladin back in uh, right before 
the Superior Spider-Man uh, era, and I thought all the villains and heroes went to the same place. But you know, this makes a lot of sense to me. Um, although I always question things like the bad guys perceiving themselves as the bad guys, right? Per se, like it kind of creates a dichotomy that I don't necessarily know is real in the real world. But whatever, that's fine. You know, I, I like to think that they're like this underground army of people that think that they like are owed but the by the world like some money I, I i don't know right right no that makes sense although i mean i will say of all the bad guys featured i, I kind of appreciated that shocker was back to being like and not a-list villain but you know he wasn't the cowardly uh lion that he is in superior foes yeah and i kind of liked his new costume too yeah yeah i mean you know like he does back out of the fight in the second part but i don't feel it was out of cowardice as much as like hey man not my problem you know kind of kind of you know cavalier villain attitude but i could see where that would be uh you know considered cowardice by some people so when i was reading that i actually was like oh look at this like superior foes like (laughs) i mean i know this story was probably written years before superior foes was but like i was like oh look at that like maybe that is a kernel of where this came from i I don't know i'm probably grasping at straws here but that was immediately what my thought was yeah yeah um, and I will say, like, just it's a minor plot point, but I, I, I did like the fact that the doctors, even after they found out who who was in under the bandages, uh, continue. You know, they didn't regret treating him because they're like, "This is what we do. We're doctors." And it's it like to me, like that kind of set up a real world um, situation that you know the oaths that doctors have. Um, and I'm glad that they didn't deviate from that. Like you know, like I I, I felt like that kept. The, the the drama for Spider-Man and how he was going to get out of the situation a little more realistic because, you know, if you had doctors then like threaten, you know, saying that they were going to inject poison into his IV or something, I mean, then, then, then it, you know, if he, you know, when he inevitably escapes, it kind of takes away all plausibility because if he's got that many factors working against him, he's not realistically going to survive it. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And I, and I can't tell you how refreshing it was to see Spider-Man save the villains uh, as the hospital was blowing up. I was yes. like, all right. Here's the character I like. Exactly, exactly. No, it was it was it was a, a really quality story in my opinion. Um, uh, what, what, but what about those B stories, Dan? Oh my God! Oh, so terrible. we have the Black Cat story here, and I would give you a synopsis of what's going on. But what if was I could it? Tell you, I, I don't know <laughs> what the hell happened in this story. I have no idea who these characters are or why I should care. Like, what happened? Did you understand this, Mark? No, I mean it's it's she's checking in on an art heist and some scrappy kid shows up. I guess it's it's Emma Rios on doing the art, which I, I love Emma Rios. I I, I mean I've I've kind of had a love affair with her ever since um, Cloak and Dagger, the the Spider Island mini. Yeah, me too. Um, so it was like I kind of like opened it up. It's like, hey, well, great, Emma Rios doing Black Cat, and then it's like, ooh, what the hell is this story? Um, so no, I I, I I don't think it's worth a synopsis because I don't think that um, you know the creative team put much thought into the synopsis. So yeah, I you know. just did, I just didn't get it. It felt like a, a a writer who like thought he had a story here and didn't realize the disconnect that it would create with his audience. Yeah, I, I, I don't know and. Um, Emma Rios, like, I, although I do, I do feel like Cloak and Dagger got to be this way towards the end. It was a little narratively confusing. Yeah. And I wonder if just her loose pencil work, le- like, you know, maybe uh, assists in creating a, a muddled story. As much as I love it, 
I, I wonder if like maybe the art is also a contributing factor here. Although uh, this story, I, I mean, it was so <laughs> short and so not like just nothing. Yeah, no, agreed. And then in terms of the other B story, this kind of, you know, little heavy-handed attempt to talk about bullying. I, I had a lot of issues with this. I mean, like, I get that this this seems like a public service announcement kind of story from Marvel, and you know, you 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 don't want to discourage them. But I mean, the the, the morality of the, the moral of the story was really not a good one. I mean, it was it was well. First of all, you know, we we got this kid who's getting bullied. Um, and the way he gets Spider-Man's attention is he, you know, attempts arson. And, <laughs> he didn't and, attempt. He pulls off arson. Yeah, that's a fair point. Fair point. Uh, and Spider-Man kind of comes and, you know, reprimands him for it, but then shows up at, on the playground to save the day anyway. And then, like, but the way he saves the day is by being a bit of a jackass back in return, right? I mean, it's not like the, the kid, not Spider-Man. Yeah, um, and- I hated the morality of this story, and it's something that I like. I don't know. Have you, did you see the movie Paranorman by any chance? I did not. No. Okay, this movie has this kid who's being bullied in it, and and then the villain ends up being a bully who was in fact bullied herself. And I love that the story kind of took this kind of gray area where it made the bully into a person. Like you get why the bully is acting that way. And one of the worst ways to like defend against a bully, and this is coming from someone who was bullied my, I was bullied my entire life. And I'm not asking for a violin here, but maybe I'll put a violin into this, uh, <laughs> into this <laughs> sound, podcast. Sound drop. Okay. Yeah. Um, it'll be like our new slide whistle. Right. D- Dan tells a sad story from his past, but like, you know, when you're a young kid and someone's bullying you, you, you know, you kind of perceive them as an evil person, you know? Yeah. And, and this bully, I think, was portrayed that way, too. But there's a reason that people are acting that way, be it that their parents treat them badly or, you know, they have a lack of self-confidence and they're trying to make up for it in other ways. And by having a, the, the kid bully the bully back, like by fight fire with fire, you know, he just says, like, I'm smarter than you and better looking than you. And everybody laughs at the bully. It only increases the tension here. And that's how you get things like school shootings and things like that. Because these kids, you know, they're pushed to a point where they're like, you know what? I'm done being bullied. I'm going to become the bully. Right. And this kind of story is what adds to something like that. Right. And it also speaks very strongly against the very nature of the lesson of Spider-Man. Like, the very first pages of Spider-Man, we have the bullies... You know, picking on Peter, and he says, I'll show them. You know, like he thinks he's superior, he's arrogant, you know, and so he doesn't, you know, he gets cocky and, and feels better than everybody else and suffers the repercussions of this. This kid, he like is successful for doing exactly what Spider Man learned to not do. And then Spidey just kind of quickly re- re- reprimands him and is like, Don't get too cocky, kid, but he doesn't off- or offer him any alternative. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and, and I'm actually really glad that you brought up um, the, the, the social point here um, about, because I, I was about to get on an even higher horse. I, I mean, let me, you know, disclaimer, I was bullied a ton, too, growing up, um, so you can cue the violin for me. Um, but, you know, I, 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 you know, I felt fortunate that, you know, I, I'm a little older than Dan, so um, bullying, bullying, you know, bullying is bullying no matter what, but I feel like bullying is like such a different animal in today's society between the internet and 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 what can be done to psychologically and physically <laughs> torture people through that um and and additionally like you know like you mentioned the school shootings and teen suicide like 
like I, I you know, one of the bigger issues I had was the fact that you know the 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 the, the creative team's resolution to this issue was you know the, the the kid was gonna you know solve his issues through spider with spider-man and like you know like i feel like this is a serious enough issue where if like you know if if, if you're physically fearing for your life which i feel was treated really glibly in this issue like you need to go to real authorities in this world now you know what i mean like like you know like not not when you know kids have guns you know <laughs> or access yeah. to guns like 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 that to me was just so glib and flippant and like oh haha you know like like this is a real issue and like this was an opportunity for marvel to maybe address a real issue right now like a real like life or death issue and they just like totally dropped the ball so they like half-heartedly tried to with spider-man being like let's figure out a way that you never have to call me again you know like i get i get that like i get that they're trying to be like spider-man is not the answer here um, right. And and the kid does go and apologize to the bully for lying. He's like, yeah, I lied, you know. And I, I get where you're going, but then Spider-Man should not all of us have a Spider-Man to come and support us while we, you know, rally our self-esteem so that we can then lord our self-esteem over other people. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is if you're if you're a kid, in, in, you know, one of our listeners, if you're in high school... And, and you're being bullied, you know, and, and it's really getting unbearable. I mean, to me, the better the better solution would be, you know, talking to an adult, talking to a parent, talking to a school administrator, talking to a social worker, whatever, to, you know, both make sure that you're coping okay and then see if there's something on a higher level that can that can deal with the bully. Like and and that to me is the ball that's dropped. And, you know, like I said, I mean, we're 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 a year removed from some really painful. It's not even that we're a year removed from awful things happening in schools. I mean, things continue, awful things continue to happen in schools that, and many of them are either directly or indirectly linked to bullying. And, um, you know, like just don't be glib about it. I don't know. and And remember that bullies are people too. Like it might not seem that way, but they have reasons for doing what they're doing because they might have a terrible situation at home that's causing them to act this way. So, right. like, yeah. And, and this story just speaks against all of that, I think. All right. So, so <laughs> let's – grades on Black Lodge. I, I'm giving it a B minus. I'm giving it a B minus as well. Uh, backups. Um, I guess if we were on a star system, I guess I'd give it a half a star for trying. Um, so what does that equate to? Uh, it's a D minus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, we have Emma Rios's art, which I'm like, great, but art is only so good without a story. Yeah, I was gonna give it a D, but like, uh, I, this stuff is F. This is F material. This is this is like just shoving it in here to increase, make you pay more. So no, yeah. I'm not. I'm not interested in. I would not recommend either of these stories to anyone. All right. So let's move on to the last point one, hopefully not as emotionally torturing.
Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 700.5, which was uh, a Human Torch time travel story and uh, another Beast story. This one I thought was 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 considerably better. Um, But um, what were what were your thoughts on 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 this, Dan? First off, I, I want to acknowledge this cover. Can, can oh, we... MJ, MJ riding Spidey. <laughs> is that MJ? I, I believe so, yeah. I thought it was a little kid. Oh, okay. The variant cover is much better and more appropriate in this case. I, I agree, but but man, like, I, I'm i looking at it now. It, yeah, you're right, it is MJ. But, like, what is going on? First off, <laughs> first off like, Spider-Man's body, he's like... Either he's the most bulky, muscular dude on Earth, but, like, his legs, man, I hope you're looking at this, but, and, and viewers, look down at your, look down at your podcast window, because, God, I, I don't know what was going on here. First off, not particularly safe for MJ, who is, at best, like, barely hanging on to the back of Peter Parker while he's swinging through the city, um, who's also unmasked and, like, Holy moly! Who is this person under the mask? I'm not even. I'm not even sure that I recognize this. <laughs> I don't know, Mark. Are you as, as offended as I am by this cover? Well, offended is a strong word. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not particularly good. Um, it makes no sense. Um, I mean, the amazing spider horse. What's going on here? But but I mean, I thought the cover to like ASM 700.2 was also way off the tone of the story, which was you know Spider-Man. You know, a maskless Spider-Man outside of Aunt May's window as she's coming home from food shopping. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the covers in general on these stories have not been particularly worthwhile. Uh, at least, like I said, the variant is a Spidey and Human Torch um, illustration, which makes sense. Cause did you, did the, you see the Black Cat variant? Yes, that's uh, that was also good. I actually picked up the variants on all these because my store just, I guess they're like 50-50 variants or something. My store had them all and they normally don't and they weren't charging more for them um so i was like oh i'll, I'll get the variants because it's there because you know i'm stupid uh <laughs> what did you not like the black hat variant or no i really liked it i thought it was really great yeah i mean agreed um <laughs> but what can we get back to this disco pants mary jane what is going on here what else is there to say dan i mean you know that's a good I, <laughs> I'm staring at a black hole. And, <laughs> here, I, 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 okay, moving on. I'm going to have to get over this. <laughs> I don't know if you have to get over it, but, you know, it is what it is, my friend. Peter uh, Parker, this is, this, is, this is like halfway through between the mutation between uh, Peter Porker and Peter Parker. Like, I, what is going on here? <laughs> uh, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Are you, do you promise? I, not, I can't promise. <laughs> okay. So as for the story, <laughs> um, oh, there's a story here. I couldn't open the cover. I was, I was. I mean, it's a really simple Spider-Man Human Torch team up where Human Torch shows up, um, talks about um, the thing from the future with a beard, which I thought was a funny touch. We all yeah. have um, we all have beards in the future, except for Sue. Well, of course not. Well, you don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's this. This was a total filler issue. Um, I could see this being an annual. But with that said, I, I guess I'm a sucker for um, the Spider-Man Fantastic Four dynamic, and this was like, this felt like a very traditional story. I, I'm, I'm assuming this takes place pre-death of Johnny Storm. 
Yeah, this feels like another brand new day, uh, 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 you know, plug-in story. You're right. Although they all know his identity, so then that would kind of place it after that arc that Dan Slott did. Ah, yeah, you're right. So maybe maybe this is like pre-One More Day. Like this is like – I mean this story could be any time, you know. Right, right. But like, yeah, they do. And uh, and – it, are they? Is Mary Jane? She's living in an apartment. She's not in Avengers Tower. So yeah, yeah. So it's so it's po- it's post breakup. Um, yeah, I love that we get to like sit here and like really obsess over this. Uh. <laughs> who who, know, who knows where this is taking place? Yeah, it, it was a funny script. I felt I, I liked the patter of it. Like I felt it was very almost sitcommy in terms of you know the thing shows up. I'm here. You know, it's kind of like you know the narrative and 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 the actual dialogue kind of like play off each other a lot. Um, there were some good jokes. Um, just uh, from a sheer technicality standpoint, I, I felt like the the Fantastic Four and Peter himself is like really kind of cavalier about his identity in this. Like, like, oh, we're we're flying outside your apartment in our little hovercraft, and and you know, like they just keep referring to him as Peter even when he's in costume, which yeah, kind of felt P- odd to me. Just lying in bed in his Spider-Man costume with the windows open. Right. Yeah, that just seemed a little odd to me. Um, <laughs> Um, I, and I thought MJ was used well here. I mean, you know, like, oh, you know, so you got something in my apartment that's going to end the world. And he's like, well, we'll end the world no matter where it is. She's like, yeah, but it's in my apartment. Again, it was kind of like the patter of the script. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love the little notes like uh, when Johnny Storm comes flying into his apartment and everything gets caught on fire. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was I was reading it and I was like, that is a big flame to be contained indoors. And then they addressed it on the next page. And I was like, oh, OK, that's, that's funny. Yeah, and like, oh, we just opened a portal in MJ's apartment. I mean, it's 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 nothing nothing consequential. This is far from the greatest Peter Parker stories we'll ever read. But like, if this was like a one shot transition issue between larger arcs in the Amazing Spider-Man continuity, I would totally not be offended by it. Yeah. Um. So other than that, I wasn't totally blown away with Sean Chen's um, MJ. Like I felt like her her facial features on on the close ups were a little too loose, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense, or am I being too I, nitpicky I know here? You were saying this, and and I read through it again. I I, I don't know if I agree with you. I, I kind of liked. I mean, it's a straight Ramita ripoff. Um, yeah, and you know that's fine. Yeah, I mean, there's a little loose. There's not a lot of detail there. Um, maybe they're trying to make her look younger, but it's fine. Uh, you know, I like the kind of grounded nature. Of of the visuals in this, you know, they're they're very. I mean, it's like it's like a sitcom, like you said. Like it's very much like not much super heroics going on, just kind of people talking. And I thought it was rendered pretty well, um, although not like amazing. It's it's fine. It's a bunch of talking heads. Yeah, and the and the and the and the final reveal was funny. I mean, the fact that you know it's it's it was all a all a joke played by Thing in the future, and then like Human Torch from the future tries to get thing back and thing is like oh i already beat you to the punch and it's like oh and then like maybe one day we'll use the time travel machine for something useful you know like it was like oh you know let's all laugh (laughs) yeah i don't know if i needed to read as many pages as i did to get to that laugh like i don't know that it was worth it but like it was fine yep and then the b story was this this story about this kid who um was shot and eventually died while trying to save Spider-Man. I mean, this definitely kind of has a kid who collects Spider-Man vibe to it. I mean, without Roger Stern's amazing writing behind it. Yeah, it definitely has that vibe 
to it. Um, at least it doesn't have like that soul sucking gut punch that that Kid Who Collects has at the end. Um, we kind of know early on that this kid's days are numbered, and you know it, the the bigger reveal is this kind of what would Spider-Man do comic that he was writing. And, you know the, the, the story emotionally lands. I liked it. Um, you know it, it was effective for what it was trying to do. Yeah, I really enjoyed the art style here, especially when you get the change-up in the second half, uh, or the last page, where it's all the kids' drawings. I thought were really, like, cute and, uh, and, 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 and appropriate, and the final image of them standing together, you know, it hit me emotionally. I, 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 you know, I'm, it's an, and the thing is, it's, it's, it's a little too easy, like, it's too emotionally easy, like, killing a kid and... And making you feel bad, but you know, I thought it was handled really like in a classy way, and um, you know, in terms of backups go, this is the kind of thing I would expect to see in a backup—a quick, yeah. emotionally easy comic that has some nice artwork. And especially in comparison to earlier in this issue, uh, earlier in this series with these other B stories, you know, like like the bullying one we just discussed, you know, like this. This to me was a lot more grounded and less heavy hand i mean even like you said even with being emotionally easy i found it less heavy handed and 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 stupid for lack of a better word um, than the other kid kid related b story we got um yeah i agree um so um why don't we do some grades what's what, why don't we split this up the like you know the torch story and the kid story what do you think then sure i gave the torch story a c plus it's a it's an okay thing it's fine it's kind of funny. It's a C plus. Yeah, I, 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 you know, originally I was thinking B. I, I, I think I'm going to do B minus. I'm a sucker for the for the Spider Man Human Torch dynamic, but I mean, you know, this. I, I gave Black Lodge a B minus, and I would put this on level of Black Lodge. Yeah, I like Black Black Lodge a little bit more. Okay. Uh, what about the kid? What do you think? Uh, B. Yep, Sorry. I'm right there with you. B. It's a solid B. Yep. Cool. All right. So um, why don't we why don't we bring it on home, Dan Boy? Great. Of course, you guys can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.podomatic.com or find us on iTunes by searching for Superior Spider Talk. And if you guys do, please make sure you leave a rating. It's a, it would be a great Christmas present. Mark, though Mark seems to be wanting some comics um, <laughs> and, and, and a comment, you, know, you can let us know how we're doing and we'll read it on the air. If you have any opinions on these comics or any questions on them, please email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com, and we will address and read them on the air like we did today. Yes, and when you're not busy buying me presents, be sure to check our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superiorspidertalk because it's a great place to keep in touch with us between shows. As we often put up articles that we've written and other breaking news about the Spider-Man universe, how to get in touch with us, we actually just recently surpassed 100 likes on our Facebook page. And as a thank you to you, we put a a digital download code for the first part of Spider-Man Frost. So, uh, you know, keep keep in touch with our Facebook page because who knows what we might be giving you people as a gift. There are more codes where those came from, so yes. keep checking back. Yeah, absolutely. Except there's no codes for Scarlet Spider 25, despite it being a 3.99 comic. Grr. Grr. Um, so, uh, Dan, where can we find you on the internet? 
Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at, at @dangavazdan or on my website dangavazdan.com, or you can read uh, my uh, movie review website grindmyreels.com, where this week I wrote up a nice uh, thank you piece to Peter O'Toole, uh, who passed away this week at the age of 82. Um, and his performance in Lawrence of Arabia, I can definitively say, changed my life um, and, and made me pursue filmmaking as a career. So um, I wrote a nice little thank you piece to him. So if you're interested in what I had to say, you can go to grindmyreels.com. What about Dan, you, Mark? Uh, well, I was going to say, Dan, I'm going to go check it out the second I get off the, uh, the internets with you because I'd love to read that because I know how much Peter O'Toole meant to you. Great. Um, yeah, as for me, you can find me at chasingamazingblog.com. We, we, we'll, we have some, some Christmassy themed uh, posts coming up during the week of Christmas. And then uh, look for around New Year's a, a year in review article that, uh, that will be up on Chasing Amazing. And other than that, um, we'll be uh, doing the usual uh, stuff, you know, new issues, classic issues, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at chasingasmblog. Uh, find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash chasing amazing. And then for non um, chasing related stuff, you can find me on the comic should be good blog at the gimmick or good column, which is my 90s comic book column. Uh, Mark, this week I didn't bump into anyone that that knew you, but I, I wanted to use this time to kind of thank our listeners for supporting us through not our full first year of the podcast, but through 2013. It's been really a, a fun time. And um, without your guys' support, you know, we wouldn't be doing what we were doing and having all the fun that Mark and I had been having. You know, Dan, I was really thinking that you were going to talk about being in the Museum of Natural History around Christmas and having a dinosaur man show up and, and, and ruin your trip to the museum. That would have been really funny, Mark, but I don't like to joke around. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I, I echo Dan's sentiments. This is this has been great. I mean, Dan, I, I you know, I, I I'd like to thank you for for you know bring, bringing this together and, and doing what you do every every time we do one of these episodes. I mean, you know, I I just sit here and babble, and Dan is the one who puts it all together. There would be no superior spider talk without without Dan's tireless efforts in, in putting this all together and producing. Um, and you know, like this is, this, this podcast has been wonderful. It's great getting in touch with fans the way we've been able to, and to hear from you guys with, with your emails and your tweets and your rumors on, on, you know, and everything. Just, just keep doing it. I love it. Even when we disagree with you, we love it. So please, you know, thank you. And, and we really do wish everyone a really happy and safe holiday. Yeah. So happy holidays, everybody. And, uh, Mark, we have a we have a particular person we like to call out to on the holidays. Yeah, you know, it, 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 the the holiday season it's kind of a pensive time. You know, I think about the frost, and and you know somebody working in the garden. That person would be my uncle Ben, who would of course remind you all with great podcasts must also come superior spider talk, and of course have a happy new year. <laughs>